Welcome to another episode of Call to Marriage. I'm Marcia. And I'm Thomas. And today we're talking about the importance of family. We are called to marriage. Would you like to share the scripture? Okay, sure. What scripture do we have today, love? Our scripture is from Psalm 133, verse 1. We could actually read it all. Yeah, it's short (laughs) and sweet. Yeah, it's a short chapter. So Psalm 133, here it goes. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garment. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. Amen. Amen. So take us away or take it away. (laughs) Take it away, love. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, there's a lot more to this chapter Mm. of this psalm. But for the purposes of our discussion today, which is about family, it qualifies it in two ways. It's good and it's pleasant for family or the people of God to dwell together in unity. Mm. So, yeah, there is good to it. And it's also pleasant when families dwell together in unity, when we abide or live together as a unified unit. Yeah, that's what I would take away as far as this discussion is concerned. And it, it actually describes it as being precious. It's like, you know, the precious oil upon the the head so it's likening that to the anointing of god see it's like the power of god upon aaron let's say or a servant of god and that's powerful you know when we dwell together it's good it's pleasant not only that it's also powerful it's like the anointing of god upon the family yeah that's what i take from it Hmm. great well, since you're the one who chose the topic, I just wonder what what came to your mind when you thought about the importance of family. Yeah, I think we are in a strange season, the season of the coronavirus. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that has come to light. We're going back to the basics, basically. Mm. You, you're not able to do your routine things. So we've all relapsed to... Maybe relapse isn't the right word, but we've all been forced to go back to the basic things of life, which is, of course, to be alive. But we are also restricted to the people within the deepest part of our circle. It's not about going to work and meeting your colleagues. It's not about going to the stadium and meeting new friends. It's about staying home, (laughs) being with your children being with your wife, being with family. So I thought, yeah, for people who have a strong family, this is good. This is a good time for them to grow even more. And for people who don't have good family ties, it can be in two ways. It can be that this is going to be a very difficult time for them, or it can be a good opportunity for them to see the value in building a strong family and drawing the family together and knowing, well, at long last, um, after all, this is what truly matters. Let's get together and do something. If there is something to forgive, this is the right time. I'm going to be living here together with you. I can't run to my job like I you know, always do. Now we have to resolve it. So it's pushing us to realize the value of the family and I think that's important so when it came into my mind I realized you know I I, I actually thought of it when you guys were having um, that family group call on Zoom mm. I think it was the day you were playing the game online and I, I thought to myself that's really beautiful it's like yeah that's what it's all about mm-hmm. and so I realized yeah family is extremely important especially in a season like this to have someone to call to have someone to think about you and to have the opportunity to just feel like you're not alone mm. yeah it's priceless i think 
And I think that's what God wants. That's how he wants us to live. We look up to him, yes, but he, we also look to each other, which is essentially what a cross in many ways means. So vertically, we are looking to God. And then horizontally, God has given, each, um, given us each other to be a blessing. And he speaks through us. He moves through us. And then we become a fountain of love for each other. And that's part of core Christianity, if you look at it well. So that together, as a group, as a unit, and with God, with each one of us pursuing God, we become better than just being alone and even being the most pious person on earth. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Well, everything you said is great. (laughs) I don't disagree. Yeah, and it's true in this time. It is a test of family relationships, and it's an opportunity, really, even though some may be experiencing the former of what you said, which is that discord and tension. um, I would hope for every family that they would experience, even if they don't have good family relations, that they would experience reconciliation, restoration, and strengthening of bonds, unity. So family, why is it important? What is the importance of family? Well, we have often heard it said that family is the most basic unit of a society. Yeah. And that is very true. (laughs) I think so too. Yeah. I think it's an absolute truth. Mm-hmm. Families make up what? Neighborhoods or <laughs> towns. <laughs> towns make up cities. Cities make up countries. <laughs> and then we all become the human family overall. <laughs> right. In any case. So, and family, the in, within the family unit is where you learn all the first things of your life, really. Um Within the family unit, ideally, (laughs) you should learn how to, you know, how to maneuver in the world, how to treat other people, how to, um, yeah, (laughs) just how to be. (laughs) Right. And if you have a strong family unit, you're less likely to be a victim of environmental and societal issues, which I think is also a truth (laughs) of life. Society and societal teachings and all that are not trustworthy. And sometimes people will only realize that too late when they're deep into (laughs) what society had, had to offer them. So... Yeah, when I think about the importance of family, everything good that I learned, I think, started within the family and then kind of extended outward such that I still meet great people in society. I've got great friends and we've talked about that before, I think. And but now I also it's easier for me to look within the wider society and the, and really the body of Christ before before even that, actually. And apply the same principles of family to them because we're also a family within Christ. Yeah. Yeah. That actually reminds me of what we were reading in Bible study. Um, First and second John. Yeah. We were reading that love is to keep God's commandments. And so having learned what true love is within family as we talked about in a former episode, how our parents taught us, gave us God and taught us the ways of God. Now, looking at, you know, our our family in Christ and also the society at whole, we have that principle to be able to walk through, you know, the rest of the world. That principle yeah. of loving others by keeping God's commandments. And what does God say about how to treat others and how to you know, live a a holy life. That's really important. 
But anyway, family. Yes, family. <laughs> read that to you. Second John verse 5. <laughs> I was looking for the chapter and I realized it's only one chapter. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have heard, but that which we have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> And then one other thing I thought of about this topic is that recently I read my friend Arianne's book. She wrote a book called Dear 30, which is 30 life lessons that she, you know, picked up along the way of yeah, her life. Shout out to Arianne. Shout out to Arianne. You can find She's that book on well. Amazon. I'm proud of her. I'm proud of her too. And she has a chapter on family. And one of the things that she brings out is that, you know, especially in our like teenage years and our younger years, we think friends are more important because our friends relate to the things we're going through. And a lot of times they are, we can feel like they're an encouragement to us because of how much they relate to us and they have a tendency to agree with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But the truth is that family is what sticks and what stays. And you'll find that when you're really in the worst place of your life, the person who's going to be there or the people who are going to be there and who stand the test of time oftentimes are your family. They're the ones who, who often end up picking you up when you're at your lowest point. So, and I know that that is not the case for everybody, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> if you have a strong family, that's the power of family really is that if you have a, a, a strong family unit as you should, they will be the ones that, are always there for you and always have your back no matter what friends come and go. They're not like come and go people in your life like friends can sometimes be or coworkers right. or other people. So although the and well, maybe I'll incorporate this scripture, which was when we were thinking of scriptures, this is the one that actually came to my mind. So if you're somebody who doesn't have um, that kind of family unit in your life right now, well, first of all, you should strive for unity as the scripture said, which Thomas quoted earlier in Psalm 133, and actually Arianne says the same thing in her book, which I agree. It's it's better. She says that it's better to be at peace than to be right. And sometimes we just have to fight really hard for for unity. It's really a spiritual thing. Like, mm, and that reminds me. Sorry, that reminds me of a scripture. Sure. Um, Romans. I think it's Romans twelve eighteen. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, uh, live peaceably with all men. With all men, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then it says, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place. Um, Do not give place to wrath because vengeance is the Lord's. Mm. Very good. Yep. And so all the while that you're making an effort to keep your family unit as unified as possible and stuff like that, The Bible also says in Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6, that um, a father of the fatherless and a defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. And so some of you actually may be missing some key people in your life, like you're missing Uh, your biological father, maybe he passed away or he's absent in whatever way, or maybe you're missing someone in your family. And as much as it was possible um, from your end, you've tried to have a relationship, but on, on the other person's end, it's just not possible. You don't, you don't, you don't have control over this, you know, every part of the circumstance. So Mm -hmm. in that case, you know, God is, God is, well, for all of us in any case, even for me, who I have a strong family background, but God is my greatest friend and my greatest father, right? But especially for those who are orphaned or those who just have, you know, um, 
not good, unstable or whatever family relationships, there is an encouragement for you that God is our everything and he He will set you in family. He's. He, I can testify to the fact that God gave me amazing friends so that when I was in college and I was at, away from my family, I, I didn't live with my family at that time. He put people in my life. When I came to China, I was like an orphan. I came by myself <laughs> and God put people in my in my life. He did place me in families. He really did. And so... That, that would be my encouragement for someone who feels like they don't have, you know, that family bond that they want. But at the same time that I say that, never, never give up. And I, I can't say this from personal experience per se, because like I said, I, I have a strong family unit, but like I could probably take you, for example, if you don't mind, <laughs> and even yeah. others that I've heard of that, like when they didn't have um one of their parents for example present in their life life in the way that they wanted to there's always a temptation at some point to be resentful and to feel like i don't want you in my life and stuff like that but thomas i remember you saying you know you were you were open and even when you were tempted not to be your mom encouraged you to be open <laughs> to having a relationship with your dad yeah. and any relationship that you can maintain with your parents and with your siblings and your family like try as much as you can to have an open heart yeah. toward people who you feel mistreat you or whatever to be forgiving to be open to be reconciled to them or to build a relationship from wherever you can build it hmm. and at the level which you know is possible and makes sense so yeah yeah i think there's always an immense value from the most from the smallest thing you could ever do with like in my case with my father it could just be talking on the phone but it's it's just priceless nothing can replace that it's of extreme importance so we and we are all at different levels some people go hiking with their fathers they do a lot of cool stuff mm -hmm. they go on a road trip they travel maybe they go to see a match People are on different levels when it comes to relationship. And we can say that about every kind or type of relationship as well. For some people, it's going to the grocery shop to just buy things with their fathers. For some people, it's going out into the field and playing with their fathers, running with them. So we are not at the same level, but the, the goal is or the key thing is that family ties or relationships are important. So it's not really about my expectations of how things should be and the reality that I'm facing now, it is that it's important to have a father in my life. And even at that point, that's the next thing I was going to say, we can take family as something generic. It's not like blood relationships. It's all blood relations. It's It could be being in a church and Having a father figure, someone, and I had that. I enjoyed that growing up. I didn't have my father home. I was just telling you that I was having a chat with one of my um, friends, Cuba, and I was telling him I've been writing, I've been keeping a journal or something of that sort, writing notes about seven men who influenced my life in the absence of my father at home. And... I've given myself three years to write a book on that. And he was so happy. So I was telling him, I might have to talk to you and interview you and ask you some basic things to cover your background for the book I'm writing. So, and he's become family to me. So, yeah, it's it's not something that is limited to blood relations, even though that is of value that you can't replace your mother. Mm -hmm. But you can have motherly figures is that right mother figures mm -hmm. <laughs> in your life so the common thing is that mental state mm -hmm. you, you are in a certain room in your mind emotionally psychologically and spiritually mm -hmm. and you feel connected to people in that way mm -hmm. and sometimes you find that in the church you and i have enjoyed a lot here in china mm -hmm. and the relationships we've built here are beyond friendship now we have a family and we share the same faith. We share the same beliefs. We, we share a lot in common. Mm -hmm. And when we are, I'll use Doris as an example. 
when we go over to Doris's house, I don't feel like <laughs> I'm a stranger here. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm honest. And I told her that, Doris, I don't feel like I'm, I'm a stranger here because of how we've been. You, you've become like a mother to us. And she even has a son called Thomas. <laughs> so that's family. And at every level, you can get that. It's important. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I was I was thinking about things that challenge. You know, this is the ideal, right? This is the ideal we would wish that everyone would have. Mm-hmm. But it's not always like that. So I, as you were talking, I was thinking about things that challenge this ideal. Ideally, this is how it's supposed to be. Children need family. It it helps us in our development or growing up. Even adults need family. It helps us. It keeps us in place. It it helps us psychologically. It helps us to deal with our, our emotions, mm-hmm. like women giving birth and all. Like there are a lot of studies about having family in your life, as you know, opposed to doing it all alone or being alone. Single mothers mm-hmm. don't going through a lot of things. When you have family, you respond to such situations in life differently. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was just thinking about things that challenge these things. What do you think? Like, we look in our society now, and it's clear that the problem, the fundamental problem, apart from the fact that um, people have no respect and honor for God, and they are, no, they are more than willing to reject the truth of God, apart from that stony heart that we have, <laughs> family... <laughs> that shouldn't be funny, but that was funny to me because that was like so blunt and so true. <laughs> yeah, we have a stony heart. Human pride is what kills all of us, believers and non-believers alike. Yeah, that is the primary thing. But yes, besides that, sorry. Yeah, it's clear that the the family as a unit or yeah, as an institution in, in the society has been deteriorated. It's it's mm-hmm. gone down. And when families go down to that level, it affects everything in the society. Mm-hmm. Violence, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The family is in trouble now. Yeah. And we talk about marriages, divorce rates and whatnot. It's all about the family. Families are not are not sticking together. Families are not thriving. And when families are not thriving, it affects the being of the society. So yeah, I I, I just want to hear you talk about what you think has been the challenge on families. So why are families falling apart? Yeah. <laughs> what, why is the family right. unit falling apart in general in society? One thing to me is selfishness, which leads you to ignore the importance of parents in the home because selfishness says that I want to have my needs met above any other person's needs. Hmm. And so I'm going to have sex with you unprotected because it feels good to me or because I don't have self-control or whatever, um, because I'm short-sighted. And then when you're pregnant, I'm also now going to choose to prefer my happiness over over yours potentially. (laughs) And really over the needs of the child because it's not every and I'm not and please I want to be really careful about what I say because it's not always men I'm talking about men and women but I know in this example that I gave it kind of sounds like I'm talking about men it's mostly it's everybody (laughs) it's well yeah in the case of like when a woman has to ends up carrying the child through it's more likely it's true that it's more likely for the woman to nurture the child out of the womb than for for a man to be a single dad when yeah. the woman's alive roaming around, unless she's on drugs or something. I mean, I'm not sure what the statistics are, but I, I imagine women are more likely to end up taking care of the baby. If if both of them don't want to do it, who's going to end up doing it? More That's likely true. the woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But nowadays, women also, you know, abort when they don't when they also don't want to deal with it. But that's a, that's true. a whole nother problem, which, you know, this, this episode is not going to cover today. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so. um, And when you when you don't think that it's important to fight for your family, 
mm-hmm. you know, for your kid to have a father who's active in his life and to have a mother who is active, then that's one of the first things because we know that the single uh, parent household is one of the one of the common breakdowns of the family. Single parenthood due to father absence yeah. because father is in jail because father just abandoned his child just because he didn't want to raise him or because like I said, selfishness was the first thing I said. Um, But there could be other things involved. Sometimes it's, let me put it on the women for a second. Sometimes it's the women who intentionally give the fathers a hard time for all kinds of reasons that I don't understand because I'm not in their shoes. I've heard, I've heard that women can be jealous. I've heard this from men that I've talked to that women are jealous because of, the uh because they don't want to be with them anymore and it's like well if you're not going to be with me and work out this unit you know this situation i don't want you to you know be bringing another woman around my son and all this kind of stuff like i've heard i've heard of that case and just general animosity it might not be jealousy it might just be a general contention and animosity now that your relationship hasn't worked out that i don't want you to and they and yeah to to be around my kid and that's Notice how I said my kid. <laughs> a lot of ladies have that mentality. Like, yeah, he's my kid. And they know when they go to court Same, yeah. about child support and, and custody and stuff like that, that they're going to have, you know, some kind of power in, in some cases. I've heard again, I haven't been through this anyway. So I don't I don't want to be just making a bunch of speculations. But I think this is I think we see what's going on in society. And that lack of a, of two parents in the home does make a, a big difference. A family unit is mother and father and however many children. So. <laughs> I like how we just set things up and start talking and start recording our podcast because it makes us think. It, mm. make, it makes it live. It's like you're forced to think on your feet. Mm. And of course, there is good to preparation and premeditation and all of that but there's also good to this such that it's very it's genuine (laughs) everything we're talking about now is something that we are just talking about Mm -hmm. it's not something that has been written down here's i have a couple others i guess Mm -hmm. another one branching out of selfishness is greed which sometimes you'll hear of people who, when it comes to like their parents' money or something like a will or, you know, whatever, pe- people have contentions over that. Like even we could take the prodigal son story as an example, because, you know, there's one son who stayed in the home and another one who left with his money, used it all up and then came <laughs> back. And his dad was still willing, which I think was the right heart posture for the dad to be still willing to reconcile with the son and take him back in and love him. But we know that the brother wasn't happy about yeah. why are we throwing parties for this guy? Like, <laughs> And sometimes that can cause, you know, money and um, unforgiveness. Entitlement, can being entitlement. entitled. Yeah. All that. I'm not saying whose fault is whose, whatever. His brother has an understandable attitude too. this feeling of why are we throwing a party for him? I can totally understand why he would feel that way. But <laughs> I'm just saying that the whole situation about money, about um, entitlement about greed and all that stuff, selfishness is um, unforgiveness and all that. Those are those are things which also attack the family unit. Hmm. I think of two things. The second is a consequence of the first. Did I say that right? The second is a, a consequence, consequence of, of the, the first. first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The first is that. I see a lot of spiritual battles around um, the integrity of the family. And that's one of the problems with the modern mindset is that we think of the world only as a physical entity. We only think in one dimension. So even for Christians, we think, we you know, it's going to see a counselor, going to see a therapist, going to see a psychologist. Like It's just very narrow. And we don't realize that we live in a world of 
all kinds of other realms that we don't even see. Mm-hmm. So we are blinded by that. And that leads to the second, which is that we lose hold of the value of the family. Is money valuable? Yes, it is. Look at how we wrestle for money. Look at how we fight <laughs> to get money, to keep monies in our, in, in our bank accounts. Look at how we work tirelessly to make sure we have monies in our pockets. Well, that shows right there that that's the level of value we have for financial wealth. We would what, go for seminars, land, financial, like everything that would, would take to make us financially independent. We want it. <laughs> and it's because we have extreme value for money. There's nothing wrong with that. But you come to the family and we, we look at how we deal with the family. We just leave things to happen in the way that they should happen. And we are not as disciplined. We, we, we don't attach that value to it. And I'm only using money as an example. There are a lot of other things we do. We attach so much. Education is one. Like education is so valuable. <laughs> but what about a family? Do we go at length to talk about the family, to invest in the family, to go around just scouting for any wisdom we can find as far as dealing with the family is concerned? Do we do we do that? Do we have the same value for it? And why don't we? We don't see. Mm-hmm. We know, but we don't see. Somewhere in our minds, we know, yeah, yeah family is important. People say it. It's family first, it's, but our actions say otherwise when it comes to valuing or prioritizing family over something else. Do we find ourselves choosing family first? So there's a conflict of values. So when it comes to making more money and you know growing the family, maybe you would choose money because there, there's no monetary value attached to the family. So we don't see that this is something that we can't even price. And as we grow, we are forced to, we are not forced, we decide to maybe unconsciously choose other things above family. So being with the family intentionally, bringing family together, growing family, and doing things that would ensure the growth and the well-being of the family. We, we put all of that aside and run up to other things only to come back home to find the family in shambles. I'd say I talked a lot about other people's situations and things I don't necessarily relate to personally, but to make it, you know, to use myself as an example and put myself on the spot a little bit, I can relate to what you're saying in the sense that I think a lot of people, when their family is, is good, they take it for granted sometimes. And I definitely think I've been guilty of that at times um, in how I treat my family, for example. Sometimes I find myself treating other people better than my family members because I'm so close to them. I'm so used to them. And it's easier to... Become familiar. Yeah, we're, there's that familiarity. That's a good good point. And um, so that's just one example. And another thing is, in general, like my mom's always encouraging us to you know, stay close with our family. We are people who we grew up as a tight unit, like our nuclear family, but even our extended family, we grew up right alongside them. My aunt and my mom at one point even lived in a duplex. So we were like almost in like one big house. And so we really were growing alongside each other. And I loved it. It was great to like have such a close relationship with my cousins to the point where now we have like a cousins group chat um, the ladies of the co- the lady cousins and I think the mm-hmm. that's really brilliant you know I like what you guys do thank you and I wish I could say it was my idea but I don't think it was but <laughs> I forget who probably <laughs> Jessica because Jessica's really good about keeping family together and she said and she the picture she chose for the for the group chat was like um, cousins are like sisters oh, I should pull it up hold on cousins are the first friends you have as a child no one will, no one will ever understand your 
crazy family family like your cousins. You have the best cousins in the world, even if you haven't talked to them lately. <laughs> but I, I, I think I've heard something somewhere about cousins being like like your siblings in some sense, too. I know everybody doesn't have that testimony and some people have so many cousins, they can't even keep up with them all and all that stuff. But my point is just that there was a value in growing up closely with my nuclear family and even having those extended relatives nearby. And my mom always tries to encourage us to keep that value. And because, like like you said, Sometimes, I don't know, we just put our value in other places, whether we realize it or not, in our, you know, value in financial stability, in our work, in whatever, such that we don't we don't even do it consciously, but we just look back and realize that, oh, like, I don't really have a good relationship with my family anymore like that. Like, we all live so far apart, and I don't really do a good job of keeping in touch with them and stuff like that. And so she's always trying to convince us to like live near each other and stuff like that. I don't know how it's all going to play out. And I know that physical proximity isn't the only thing that can keep a family unit strong. But that's something we're actually kind of dealing with in our in our family now, where we're all living in different places. And we're like trying to find ways to actively keep close and keep in touch and so like Thomas brought up earlier we're using Zoom to do that but even I mean things like Zoom have been around granted they've gotten better but they've been around but it's still kind of been hard and to prioritize that but Mm -hmm. that's something I can say has been a good thing through the quarantine I mean people are still busy but for whatever reason we've found time and we found the resources and made the effort to all get together on Zoom calls and to keep in touch. And we have our group chats too and stuff like that. So that's all important. And one more thing, if I could say quickly, another thing that I thought messes up the family. Um, this is this has been probably since the beginning of time, I guess. Rebellion, I feel like also um, attacks family. And I'm reminded of the scripture, which I just gave you all actually. It says the rebellious will will dwell in a dry land. And, you know, in a place that's dry, there's not a lot living. There's not a lot of life there, you know, (laughs) it's not a lot around. And so when you're rebellious, you're going to find yourself lonely because you're not willing to listen to counsel. And so when your family is trying to tell you stuff, you have to be willing to honor them and to hear their advice and heed what's good and pray about it. Ask like, Lord, what's good out of what's being said here? What's true? It's like the Bible says, whatever is true, you know, whatever is pure, whatever is of good report, think on these things. So meditate on, yeah. So meditate on that. And that's literally something I was just talking with, with you about last night is this idea of, this is something I have within myself that um, a lot of times, especially as Christians, we'll, we'll think of, how do I treat others well in a, in, a, in a day and an age where Christians are always being criticized as being hateful, judgmental, blah, blah, blah? How do I show people that I love them? And we think that it's we have to like be lenient toward or yeah, toward other people's ways of thinking and living and stuff like that, I guess. And equally true and and opinions being, you know, willing to hear their opinions and try to relate to them somehow. But equally true is for you to be good at receiving um, advice and other people's opinions and stuff. You don't have to accept everything. You don't have to internalize every single thing that they say. But just being able to hear (laughs) them, just being able to receive, like, to respectfully hear what they have to say I think is a really important quality and something that I'm trying to work on actually because I was when we were talking about it yesterday I was talking about how when I can take my mom as an example speaking of taking relationships for granted (laughs) when she (laughs) tells me something that I just don't agree with I get defensive but actually that comes out of an insecurity which I could be leaning into a different conversation different topic now so I don't want to go too far from the topic but I don't in that moment, I kind of become rebellious, I could say. There is a, a some, somehow a, a spirit of rebellion or something related to rebellion that's coming out of my insecurity that's making it hard for me to simply hear her advice full of patience, full of respect, 
And then I don't have to take it. Like, <laughs> I don't have to take it. I can listen well and take what's true and drop what's not true. But she'll, but it will, the whole conversation goes a different way when you listen well to somebody and uh, then when you are arguing with them about why you're right and why they're wrong. So this go- takes me right back to what Ariane was saying. It's better to be at peace with someone than to always be right. When I look at people who are seen as, you know, respectful and people who get along well with their family and get along get along well with people that's one thing that i noticed in them is that they have this ability to just listen respectfully they're not rebellious even though they may do things which are against what was said and i'm not necessarily encouraging you to do like to listen and go do the opposite of what people tell you to do (laughs) all i'm saying is you know we as we become adults we have our own convictions it's between you and god what you're convicted about in your life you know if you strongly believe something then i think you should go with what with what you and god have you know agreed upon or whatever but if it's um and so in that case, if someone's telling you something different from your conviction, you can still listen, but do what's in your conviction. On the other hand, if someone tells you something and there's truth to it, and it's not about conviction, it's just about your stubbornness and about your rebellious spirit that's <laughs> making you not want to accept what they're telling uh-huh. you, then you have to be able to check yourself. And that's a huge part of relationship in general, not just family relationships, but we we see that in family, right? That the yeah, a lot. People, yeah, they just want to go do their own thing and they they don't want to listen to anybody in the family. And next thing you know, they're in a difficult place and and sometimes they just think that their way is better and they um and they just try to live that to the fullest. <laughs> but other times too, actually they end up in trouble, but it's hard for them to go back to their family because they know they know that they didn't they were so rebellious at that time that they don't even feel comfortable going right. back to their family to say, man, I made some mistakes and I know that um, you guys told me to do A and I did B, but right. I'm back. I need help, please. You know, I'm willing to listen now. That's difficult for people to do. It takes a lot of humility. <laughs> of course, <laughs> so sometimes that yeah messes up family. Sorry, I talked a lot. <laughs> no, that's good. I like everything you said. Yeah, I think there's liberty and people just, I don't know, for some reason, we don't like being in that freedom that God gives us. You don't have to strangle yourself with anything. I always tell you that truth needs no guiding. You can just let go of your truth because it's true. (laughs) <laughs> you don't you don't have truth truth has you mm. so if i believe in this particular thing and i know it's truth and i believe in it as something true i don't need to protect it like i don't even need to <laughs> i explain myself to be fully understood it's truth life needs no proving it's just life mm-hmm. so i'm okay <laughs> not holding on too tight to it and listening to what you are saying in the end the truth is going to still hold me <laughs> so you just floats in that freedom and that liberty that God gives us so that and it doesn't only apply to family relations it applies to for example as believers dealing with unbelievers or people who don't believe in the things we believe in it's, you don't need to fight over it. Mm-hmm. If you truly believe this is true, it's not going to be truth only for you, but for them. So there is no protecting for the truth. I don't need. I don't even have the strength to protect the truth that I believe because mm-hmm. they have me. They hold me, and truth is so beautiful that it sets you free. Mm-hmm. But it it has you. But you're still free in it. So I can engage with someone who is completely opposite and they'll tell me stuff that I don't I don't think they're true I don't believe in it but they tell me this is my truth this is true for me and then I'll say okay yeah you can tell me what your truth is if it's so true that it's more true than the truth that I have oh then thank God (laughs) I have a new king because I'm not even going to be the one taking it It's going to take me. Truth grabs. That's why when we hear certain things that are true about ourselves, we get 
defensive sometimes because it's true. We we can't say it's not true, and then it makes us mad because why are we mad? Because we are holding on to this other one that we think should be, you know, the truth. But the truth is that what you just said is true. So there is a power struggle going on. What you just had is overthrowing the one that is sitting on the seat of your truth. So he says, get out. I'm the new king now. And then you're saying, I won't let it go. I won't let it go. I want it to, but, but I'm, I'm the boss. I'm bigger than the one you're holding on to. You have to let it go. And then that battle results in that internal conflict that we have. And then it leads to, you know, being defensive and all of the things that you talked about. So we need to understand that in dealing with family. Mm-hmm. And that's what gives the room for respectful conversation and communication mm-hmm. where um, we, we're just talking, we're just floating in that liberty or that freedom. Like, I'm, I'm okay. By the end of the conversation, I would think. <laughs> and what is true is going to have me. That belief, I think it's profound in just dealing with human beings. I think it's very important. So during disagreements and other things, we can maintain calm and just know that I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Truth will find me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's actually an exercise of faith. Yeah. And so I'm reminded of something I said. I can't remember exactly what I said, but I, I said something along the lines that in the beginning or in the beginning that your family is the place where you're learning certain things and then you bring them out into the world so right so to speak so speaking of this this topic of getting along with people who are different from you and stuff like that much as family has a lot of things similar but we are all individuals and we are all so different in a lot of ways and you'll find <laughs> your first disagreements <laughs> within your family right. your family ought anyway to be a place that is secure just like i feel secure in our marriage i feel i should feel secure in my family home it's a it's a safe place to practice the things that i want to also practice with others in the world so that if i can respectfully disagree with my parents or with my siblings, then it's going to be easier for me when I'm dealing with somebody out in the world. You see, you see out in the world now, people are having ridiculous, you know, reactions and emotions and whatever, as when they're disagreeing about politics, about Mm -hmm. religion, it's so extreme. People are so, you know, on edge. They can't, they don't know how to disagree civilly, you know, and that's something which we can learn in our homes because all of us have experienced it in our home. Yeah. And it's an opportunity for us to train our ability to patiently listen to another person and to respond with understanding. Like I don't have the perfect words. Thomas told me some words, which which were a good start for me, although I can't remember them exactly, but something along the lines that once you listen to somebody, even when you don't agree, you just, you can even thank them, you know, for sharing their, for being willing to share their experience with you or their advice with you. And, and that's it, you know, (laughs) you can thank them or you can just, I think I know what you're saying, like give them a level of understanding. Like I, I really understand what you're saying, even if you don't agree, just to (laughs) give them a level of like, respect i guess because you know that they're they're saying it out of their conviction or or in some cases to help you they think it's something that's going to help you that's going to be good for you so you just tell them what did you say again something like that the point simply being i think family is important it's worth giving everything you know all of your energy to to be unified with your family and it's it's a valuable it's so valuable that it's one of the things the enemy like tries to attack the most. Yeah. It's so valuable that it's currently something which I think is brushed under the rug. (laughs) And so I want, we're basically bringing it back to you. Like, don't forget it's the building block of a society. It's the root like of your, I don't know. It's just it's just very important. I don't think I have the words to really express. So, I think the more you think about it as a spiritual attack, the more you become patient, 
the more you make sacrifices because you're able to see through whatever is happening. If you have a conflict with a brother or a mother or whoever in your family, you're able to see past them. You're able to see that, okay, there's something going on here. Me and my brother are drifting apart. We, we both know that that's not what we want. So what, what is fighting us? So then you see, well, it's not that we are fighting each other. Something is fighting the relationship that we have. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said the first challenge is that we don't think in spiritual terms. We only see in physical terms. We only see, oh, it's because you said that. And it's because I said that. That's all we see. But that's not all there is. There is mm-hmm. something more to it. Some, there's a seed is being sown. So it starts like that. You both grow up. You have kids. You have your own families. And because you, you, there's still animosity, you don't get along. So your kids never get to meet each other. And then they also grow up. And then that gap widens and widens and widens and widens. Your mom even passes away. And both of you don't want to be at the same funeral. So And people do that. But that's how it starts. It starts in the home like that. And then that seed of discord becomes wider and wider and it grows. And then their children and their great-grandchildren never know each other. And that joy has been stolen from them. It is as spiritual, even more than it is physical. Mm-hmm. So there's always a common enemy and that's the enemy we need to fight. And once we look to that angle, we realize oh, we're on the same team. We need to end this. We need to find a way to get back to being brothers. Can we do that? And then you yield. That's where sacrifice is found. That's where selflessness is found. That's where sometimes you realize, you know what? You don't even have to say sorry to me. I've I've forgiven you. I just want my brother back. But people don't get there. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's really important. And I think people who have broken relationships in their family. It's one of the deepest pains that they have in their lives, whether they are willing to admit it or not. And so it's worth, it's worth the effort to deal with family problems. And like you said, not just in a physical sense of trying to contact them or um, trying to go to therapy to work through some of the experiences in your life, which those things are good too, but also It is a spiritual problem. Prayer works and really dealing with your own spiritual issues too that may be not directly related to the family, but because they're your problems, Mm -hmm. when you dealt with people in your family, those things, you know, contributed. And so when you become a better person too, it also helps you to deal with your relationships better. So all that is spiritual and... I encourage you to, between you and you and God, you know, walk the sanctification road. Yep. Believe in him, pray, ask for his help, submit yourself to his guidance. And the Bible says he teaches sinners in the way. He puts them on, you know, on the right path, on the paths of righteousness. He leads them in paths of righteousness. So, yeah, takeaways. I think we've done takeaways. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We've made our points. Yeah. We can talk more, but I think we can end here. All right. This has been another episode of Call to Marriage. And hope you learned something or thought of something. Or, or, yeah, I hope the podcast made you think of something that you, you care about or something you'd like to work on, something that. It's relevant to your life. We love you.